Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello again and welcome to the Inner Life here on this Thursday. I hope your day is off to a good start here. And today, let me ask you, would you consider yourself a pretty happy individual? Are you an optimistic person? Or do you find yourself having more of a grim or a dour outlook on life? I hope you fall in that happy column, more so than in the, you know, the, the unhappy column as you look at your life. But let me also ask you, do you know where the happiest place on earth is? Any idea of where that is? Not Disneyland. I know they've used that phrase, the happiest place on earth, as their official tagline. But I mean, which actual country around the world has the happiest people? Any ideas? Each year, the U.N. sponsors a World Happiness Report. And the latest one, it was just released a couple of months ago, and it has all of the top spots there going to different European countries, mainly Nordic countries. There's only, out of the top 10, only one country is not in Europe, and that's New Zealand. They came in at number nine. Now, Gallup, they did all the research and asked people in 149 countries around the world to rate their happiness. And they measured things like social support, personal freedom, the gross domestic product of the country, levels of corruption in the country. So this World Happiness Report, what does it say is the happiest place on earth? Which country is the happiest? Well, it's Finland. Finland, at least according to this report, is the happiest place on earth. Why Finland? Well, some of the factors that suggest it might be a happy place to live are things like being one of the cleanest and greenest places on the planet. They do a lot uh, to try and make that environmental stability and sustainability a priority there. They also have done a lot of work to upgrade their education system. Only a couple of generations ago, Finland's education system was ranked among the lowest in the Western world. Today, it's actually ranked number one. So they've put a lot of time and work into their education. And compared to most other countries, Finland does have low crime rates, and it has less of a wage gap between bosses and employees. So Finland, it's the happiest place on earth, at least according here to this World Happiness Report. And rounding out the top five countries on this report, Denmark is at number two, then there's Switzerland in third, then Iceland, followed by the Netherlands. Now, the countries at the very bottom of the list, in order, going all the way down, Botswana, then we have Rwanda, Zimbabwe, and coming in last, the least happy place to live, number 149 out of 149 countries, Afghanistan. And as you hear those, those names of those countries, probably like me, you're thinking, boy, those countries do have some turmoil. They've had some historic uh, tragedies um, that have happened there. Uh, so, yeah, not the happiest place to be. But how about the USA, where we live? Where does the U.S. fall according to this report? We're ranked at number 19, 19 out of 149. We're okay. We're still in the top third. We've got some work to do, apparently. But, you know, it's an interesting report 
But do you think that happiness can really be quantified by certain things like access to education, the low crime rate, the economy, and uh, some of those other factors there? Well, yeah, of course, those can certainly impact our happiness in substantial ways. But happiness can go beyond things, and it does go beyond things like these. Uh, these kind of surveys or reports that we read about sometimes that are put out in the news, they don't take into account things like, are you getting along well with your spouse and your kids? Are things going well at home? Or do you find yourself getting into regular arguments with your loved ones? Are you carrying around emotional baggage and insecurities because of the way your parents raised you? How about how many months or years that you've been clean and sober if you had to start over? Or did you just watch your little boy or your little girl take their very first steps last week? Or if they're a couple years older, each night, do they come and run up and climb into your lap and give you a hug before they get ready for bed? You know, so many different things can impact our happiness. And today we're going to talk about being blessed, being happy as followers of Jesus, even at those times when you might think that we have every reason to be unhappy. And we're going to look at Jesus' words at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, where we hear him preach what we call the Beatitudes. And helping us look at the Beatitudes, understand what Jesus is speaking about here, um, helping us to look at these different categories that we see Jesus spell out in the Beatitudes. One of our regular spiritual directors is back joining us again, Father Daniel Schuster. He's a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and he's the pastor of St. Mary's in Luxembourg and Holy Trinity Parish in Casco, Wisconsin. Uh, Father Schuster, welcome back to The Inner Life today, and uh, so glad to have you here. I hope you're having a happy start to your Thursday. Yeah, thanks, Josh. It's good to be back. Um, I'm out in Luxembourg, Wisconsin, and it's a happy place. <laughs> good, good. Well, um, as I you know, was thinking about the Beatitudes today, the reason I was starting off with this happiness theme is because I've heard many times over the years that you can take that word at the beginning of the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are the meek, or the clean of heart, and you can replace that word with happy. Happy are those, you know, who are poor in spirit, or happy are the meek, or the clean of heart. But it's a happiness that goes deeper than what we might typically think of as happiness. So for me, when I think of it, I think of that long-lasting joy, not just happiness of the moment, but that long-lasting joy, and kind of coupled with that peacefulness that St. Paul talks about that goes beyond our understanding. Is, is this the kind of blessedness that Jesus is talking about here, or is there something different that, you know, when he says blessed are whatever category that you fall into there? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the word, and it, it's ripped out of the Greek world. The word in Greek is makarios, and it's a, it's a very rich word that was often used to describe the gods, in plural, the gods. And when people thought of the gods, they thought of these mythical uh, beings who lived on top of mountains. And they had it good. They had it uh, quite well because the gods were always fat and happy and the gods were uh, in some kind of perpetual party and the gods um, were, you know, full of power and such. But that wasn't obviously what Jesus is promising. But what he's promising is that the true happiness of the Makarios is that we each can live an elevated life of freedom, that we each are able to live in this world 
without the attachment. We can live like on a mountain, like God's, a spiritual mountain. In fact, that's where Jesus is teaching this from. He's sitting on a hill or on a mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's telling people, you too could be like God's if you follow me. And if you uh, follow this way of the Beatitudes, which is, as we know, countercultural, it turns the world on its head. Because once you start reading about what it means to be happy, you're no longer thinking of those old Greek gods because it's it's not jiving. It's a <laughs> complete opposite. It's a turn the world on its head kind of thing. And so it, it was very hopeful, I can imagine, sitting there and listening to these words because everybody felt so far away from being like a god everybody felt so far away from oh, being sure. uh, successful well everybody that's there most likely they are in their country that's occupied by the roman empire so they don't even feel like they have the freedoms the control over their own lives they're they're you know in this oppressed land so yeah i i've got to imagine hearing these things that jesus is talking about like you say you can you can be elevated on that mountain like the gods but you can <laughs> you can do it in spite of the different things that are happening in this occupied it, territory yes and josh it's it's good that you brought in the the idea of the occupied territory because um this is also in some ways a military gathering uh that's when you gather troops on a hill or mountain and you give them marching orders, you are empowering them for the next battle as well. And in everything that follows in Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, is like a nonviolent affrontive to the way things are in the world. But the, you, we should think military gathering unlike any other in, in occupied land. So you made the good connection there. Yeah, well, and you mentioned, you know, he's making this kind of reference that you could be like the gods on a mountain, and he's saying this while on a mountain. The other one that it reminds me of is there is where Jesus tells Peter um, that I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and he does it there at Caesarea Philippi, which was, uh, my understanding is, it was this big rock that was kind of given as a symbol that was handed down for somebody being in charge. And so Jesus kind of is at a point where he looks and says, well, you know, here's this rock, but Peter, you are my rock, and I'll build my church upon you. So, yeah, that physical location, that geographic area that Jesus chooses, um, seems like he, he might do that again and again and again. And it's a spiritual reality for us to think about the mountains, both literally and how we climb and live atop of a mountain. Um, you've got Mount Tabor. You've got, of course, Mount Sinai. You could, we can go through all of the mountains, but it's a place of encounter and, and as a place uh, where, well, what do you do after you're not on that mountain? Well, you know, like Peter, uh, as well. What does he do after that? But yeah, the mountain is a place of, of encounter and it's a beautiful reflection. Um, the Carmelite spirituality, uh, calls us to live atop of Mount Carmel all the time, all the time. And so it's it's a mountaintop spirituality. I just throw that in there because I love it, and I, it's fed me, and it helps me feed other people to uh, live the Carmelite spirituality. Hmm. If somebody wanted to learn more about Carmelite spirituality, what's a good place to start? 
Well, everybody should read Story of a Soul. Uh, Saint Therese. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta don't walk, run to the bookstore, okay, <laughs> and 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 read it, even though it's a little choppy in an English translation from the French. But uh, but also there's there's some um, there's some simple primers. Um, uh, Ruth Burroughs is an author who has been accessible for people. If anyone's heard that name, uh, drawing people into Carmelite spirituality, Ruth Burroughs, B-U-R-R-O-W-S, I believe I got that right. And those are beautiful books. Good. Our spiritual director is Father Daniel Schuster. He's a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we're talking about the Beatitudes, how we can live those out in our life. And uh, Father, let's uh, let's just go through them one at a time here. Um, so this is in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, where we have at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, like you said, Jesus is there on the mountain, and it's very at the, at the very beginning of his public ministry um, that we encounter this, where he has started developing this following, and he has the crowds, and so he goes up on this mountain and starts speaking to them, and the very first thing he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So... What does Jesus mean by those who are poor in spirit? Who are poor in spirit? Is that all of us? I mean, to some degree, by the virtue of we have to be redeemed by the blood, by the sacrifice of Christ, we all are spiritual, spiritually impoverished. Um, so is that everyone? Well, it's an invitation to everyone, but there are people uh, who amass the, the wealth um, that owns them and possesses them, that they are no longer, I guess they're excluded from this way of life of the Beatitudes, but it's an invitation to everybody and we should know that. Um, you imagine if these people are sitting around, I can't back this up biblically, but if they're sitting around listening to him uh, talk, uh, they're probably not working a lot. And they're probably literally poor, but they're also the Pharisees, Sadducees, some of the more wealthy people listening in. They're not literally poor, but nor are they spiritually poor. And he's trying to bring everybody to, into that, that idea that, you know, I like the word you said, impoverished, that spiritual poverty. Um, it's kind of like waking up every day and saying, I need God and I can't do this on my own. And, um, I don't want to be attached to all of my possessions. Uh, those are the kinds of things, you know, that uh, that are playing in my mind here. Now, the church fathers, also, so many have written on this. This is a very crude and quick walkthrough, folks. Oh, right. Okay? <laughs> just so you understand. Yeah, right. We could probably spend an hour on just one or two of these alone. So, yes, Absolutely. We're, we're, we're kind of skipping along the path here, but, uh, but it's at least a cursory overview. Sure. So uh, then after he says, you know, the poor in spirit, the promise there is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so is that then for us understanding that if we acknowledge, if we recognize that we have that spiritual poverty, we need God in our lives, that's the first step towards being part of Jesus's kingdom? Yeah, and imagine what that kingdom is like, and imagine um, being a poor person who who inherits a kingdom. Yeah, it should should stir up the desire within us to um, to say, well, you mean the the poorer I get in spirit, the more I get in riches. And, and this boy, this really rings true through the rest of our Lord's teachings throughout the entire gospel. 
Um, at the head of this, we should also contrast this with some of the Old Testament kind of understandings, uh, you know, uh, as far as living, if I live the law of God and I, uh, God will bless me with wealth and I will, um, and I will have a lot of land. And I will be, you know, it, it was very earthly, but yet there was kind of a gospel prosperity in the Old Testament. You know, if you if you live the law and your righteousness, God will bless you, give you stuff, and you're going to have land. And now the, the, there's people sitting in front of him who who feel helpless, and like they're never going to be part of that. And they get they get a bigger promise than earthly land. They, they talked about heaven, which is, again, stir up that desire to say, well, what is this about? I want in. Mm. Uh, so then, moving on to the second beatitude mm-hmm. here, we have, Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, mourning, you know, sadness. When I hear that word, to mourn, the main thing that comes to my mind is sorrow associated with the death of someone we love. What kind of mourning is Jesus talking about here? Sure. Sure, we can cover that. We skipped the second one, meek, but that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I have that as third in <laughs> the, the version I'm reading oh. here. Oh, okay, sorry, the notes that they sent me. All right, whatever one you want. Um, <laughs> well, sure, we'll, so we'll let's with, talk we'll, about mourning, and then we'll go back to the meek. Uh, gotcha. So okay. for, for mourning, yeah, is that, what, what kind of sadness, what kind of sorrow, what kind of mourning is Jesus talking about here? Well, the literal. I always start with the literal. Okay. Um, Those who sow in tears will reap in joy, says the psalmist. Jesus himself was a man who entered the sanctuary daily with tears and with cries. You know, that if we're, if we're locked up and we are unwilling to mourn the things in our life, the losses, then we, we're also not able to be consoled by the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is the consoler. So start with the literal and then, and then of course, go deeper. Take a look around the world. You know, I, I, I may have mentioned it on a show before. There's a there's a song that Johnny Cash sings called, you know, Why I Wear Black or The Man in oh, Black. Oh, The Man in Black, sure. Yep. <laughs> so I play it for middle schoolers and high schoolers. They say, Father, why do you wear that black? I said, you know, I think this song captures it. If you look around the world, there's plenty to mourn. And until we are in that kingdom, it's, someone's got to wear black. Someone's got to remind people that that. You know, the poor are not fed and people die and there are plagues and there are diseases and and not to be dour about life and not to be sourful all the time. But someone just has to be a constant uh, image of that to the world. The priest does that, the man of sorrows and um, in each of us, too, in our happiest days, there is a grain or a speck within our hearts that says there's still something to mourn. Aquinas reminds us happiness in this life, complete happiness, is going to be impossible. Anyone who promises it to you is an antichrist, <laughs> you know, is, a, is not of God. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, the line from The Princess Bride, uh, you know, life is pain, your highness. <laughs> Anyone who says differently is selling something. So, uh, well, then we have after this, blessed are, are those who mourn. Uh, that they will be comforted. So that's that hope that's still there. That's that turning it on its head that you were talking about. Yeah, so say, say that again, because that's... Uh, right. Yeah, they're opposites. Mourning and being comforted are opposites, yeah. Right, well, and that's also where we talk about, you know, blessed or happy are those who mourn, you know. Oh, yeah. because yes, yes, there you, we go. You know, you, you wouldn't think that 
anybody would ever say, oh, you're going to be happy when you're sad. It, it, it sounds like an, it's just an impossibility. Why would you ever make that statement? But yet Jesus does and right. says you will be comforted. You know, and the thought that comes to my mind is that, that the good news that we need to remind people is, is it's possible, like you said, to be happy when you're sad. That the happiness that Jesus proclaims is literally available whether you live in Finland or Denmark or Antarctica or Wisconsin. It's, it, it is literally available to you. Uh, and I know that's tough, but to say, like, Maximilian Kolbe was a happy man, Yeah. Uh, even in difficult times, or Teresa of Avila, or those those great saints, and, and actually, I think of Philip Neri yesterday. You know, mm-hmm. you probably heard the story of the Holy Spirit entering his heart and and actually bursting his chest, like literally cracking the bones in his chest, verifiable by autopsy. And so, from the moment he lived with that, being filled with the Holy Spirit and joy, he also lived with uh, pain and sorrow mm-hmm. because it hurt. He was so joyful that it would hurt in his chest. Yeah. Wow. You know. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. Our spiritual director today, Father Daniel Schuster, a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we're looking at the Beatitudes, how we can live those out. Which of the Beatitudes have you lived in your own life? Have you seen that consolation or that promise that Jesus gave in those Beatitudes come about in your own life? And how are you trying to live these out right now? How do you try and practice the meekness or the humility? How do you try and show others mercy? How do you recognize that spiritual impoverishedness in your own life? Uh, we'd love to hear how the Holy Spirit is working in you as you try and live out those Beatitudes. And our studio line is open right now at 888-914-9149. And that's again, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, relevantradio.com and we'll continue this conversation on the Beatitudes in just one moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Daniel Schuster, a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, pastor of St. Mary's in Luxembourg and Holy Trinity Parish in Casco, Wisconsin. And we're talking about the Beatitudes, the very beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, very popular, very familiar passage to many of us, where Jesus said, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. How have you lived those Beatitudes out in your life? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Schuster, uh, the next one in our list here as we're going through is, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. And so this meekness, is that basically just Jesus talking about those of us who are trying to grow in humility? Yeah, that 
image of meekness recently has become more uh, known to me through uh, someone else who's uh, explained it. They said, you know, uh, meekness is a tamed horse. You meek a horse. You oh, break it. I've and, never heard that. You, that's interesting. And that's that's where the term comes from. So you can imagine in your mind a couple wild horses, which we all are, uh, getting meeked and, and tamed and, and broken in and so that we're all pulling in the direction of Christ. So that we're, But it is, it is an image of humility. It means, you know, uh, that we've got to be lowly, that we've got to be, you know, close to the earth, earthy and human and fully human, not, you know, not, not with an ego the size of whatever, Texas. <laughs> That's what people say. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, does and that also, that earthiness, does that tie in then with why Jesus then says they will inherit the earth? Exactly. You know, um, it's not the biggest and the best that's going to inherit the earth. It's the one that gets down lowest to it. And is, uh, is I guess, you know, it, the words that come to mind is, you know, from, from dust you have came and from, to dust you shall return. Right. And that's, knowing that every day can tame or meek some of our passions, which are out of control at times, and, and get its ordered towards... Um, the Lord, to, you know, with a singleness of heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's such a great image. Like I say, I've never heard that before. So uh, the next one that we go to here, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness or for justice, depending on the translation. Mm-hmm. Um, this one seems a lot more straightforward, you know, that um, if we are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if we want to do good, if we don't want to do evil, then... Just simply, Jesus says, we will be satisfied. Yeah, that's that, that hunger and thirst is, again, that pain for the injustices in the world. But, but like, rather than just mourning about it, you have to also thirst and hunger and do stuff. So there, you know, it goes right along with these are all integrated, you know. And so the problems that we recognize in our world, um, you know, how do we, you know, the pro-life cause, do we hunger and thirst for justice? And what kind of justice? Not earthly justice, not eye for an eye. That's going to come. That's going to come on the tails of this. But God's justice, righteousness. Um, and yes, those words are diakonousia in Greek. They are very akin to each other, um, which, which we wouldn't always think of. But then that will be satisfied. We'll see the outcome um, in, in God's time, in God's way. Uh, if we hunger and thirst for these things. So I, I bring up the pro-life cause because we should be hungering and thirsting for justice. It, it kind of also reminds me of what we pray every day if we say the Our Father. You know, God, your will be done uh, here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, not, not looking for that earthly justice or that earthly righteousness that you were, you were mentioning there, looking for God's will um, to be done here on earth, his timing to come about. Yes, and, and we have to believe in that because that gives us some consolation in this life. When when you see something very bad happen, you can at least say, you know, God knows about this. God will be just. And we're always looking for it in this world, but but it's not always. And for us, too, I always said uh, that uh, it's good news that I'm going to be judged someday. Um, it's going to be good news. We did a whole show on that, actually, that yeah. God's justice is going to work on me and and on them. And so we will be satisfied, but hunger and thirst for it. 
Right. Well, and as you're talking about, it's good news that we're going to be judged. It's because we, even though God is perfect justice, he's also this perfect mercy. And so we know that we have a merciful God that if we, if we have been trying to the best of our ability to seek after hunger and thirst for that godly justice, that godly righteousness, then we trust that he will have mercy on us. Right. It's going to be good. It's God. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> so uh, the next one we come to, we have blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Um, it, to me, when I read this one, it sounds kind of like what goes around comes around. But I also <laughs> presume that Jesus is talking about what I just mentioned, you know, that ultimate mercy granted to us by God because of Jesus you know, looking ahead to uh, when he's preaching here on the Sermon on, on the Mount, he's looking ahead to the suffering and the death, the reason he was born of the Virgin Mary in the first place, uh, that mercy that will be shown to us. Yes, and um, it, it's, it's a word that has another rich connotation, you know, kind of like the word blessed in and of itself. It's, it's not just pity, and it's not just... Um, feeling sorry for people, and then you know someone will be sorry for you. It's not just forgiveness; it's really uh, a covenant and uh, an undying kind of love, and a way of of yes, pitying and forgiving, and taking it easy on people at times. Uh, you know, uh, recently I was talking with our own bishop, and we were talking about some of the things going on with um, coming out of the pandemic. And he said, you know, people just need to cut each other some slack. <laughs> he thought, well, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, you know. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of the heart. The word, the, the mercy and the love, it also refers to the quality of the heart of the person. Uh, can you go a little deeper on that? What do you mean quality of the heart of the person? Well, I think of the word, and I, and I don't know which word is used here in Greek, but you think of think of the word in Spanish for mercy, misericordia. You know, and you've got uh, you've got the word heart in there, and you've got the word um, misery, brokenheartedness. The mercy is is a sense of having an open heart, a broken heart, that you give to offer to God, that you share with others, that you acknowledge yours and you acknowledge theirs at the same time. That's why I like the word in Spanish, because it sounds like misery and your heart. Mm. There they are together in one word, right? Yeah. No, that, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, and then continuing on with that theme of our heart, you know, a heart attitude of being merciful, the next beatitude says, blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall, uh, they shall see God. And so that clean of heart, that's one of those where I read this and I, I think to myself, how do we achieve this? Is this even possible in this life? In, in, the, in the Bible, we read in the book of Revelation, you know, it's one of those things that we look to as we understand what purgatory is. Nothing clean will enter heaven is what we read when heaven is described in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. So is that how the clean of heart will see God? And is this something that it is talking more about that final cleansing and purifying of our souls? Can we be clean of heart here on this earth? Well, we, we certainly can ask for that help. We can certainly let the grace of the sacraments purify us and we can work with it. 
Um, you know, the, this is where we can we kind of tie in the the Old Testament and law versus what we're reading here, it, because I think the big temptation is to say, how can I achieve this? How can I? What rules do I have to keep? Like, what what actions do I have to take in order to make sure that my heart is pure and clean? Is uh, in the in the time of the Bible, there was a, a, a sect of, of Jews called the Essenes who were just so obsessed with cleanliness and washings and and uh, and all of that. And, and at some point, this is God's arrival saying, well, I can't give you rules. I can't give you a formula that's going to make this happen. You've, you've got to, you know, that's why he's going to die and invite us into a way of life that that allows us to, I guess, be be helped to be cleansed. Without me, you can do nothing, says Jesus. If I could summarize like every spiritual direction uh, conversation I've had over the 13 years as a priest is is telling people, hey, without Jesus, you can do nothing, you know, and but never give up and saying, I want to see God. <clears throat> That's the very definition of happiness according to Thomas Aquinas. So interestingly enough, in this beatitude, it's almost like saying, happy are the clean of heart, for they shall be happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so, in the, yes, there's practical things we've got to do to clean our hearts. Very much so. But like you said, the book of Revelation, it's the blood of the Lamb. We've got to go back to Jesus all the time and say, clean my heart. Help me... Uh, you know, mortify my, my senses. Let my eyes not see that which is unpure. Let my ears not hear uh, that which is going to disturb. And lead me not into temptation or uh, and to repent from the near occasion of sin, right? right. Those are all, it all comes together here. Mm. Yeah, these are some beautiful reflections, Father. Um, our spiritual director is Father Daniel Schuster. He's a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. We're talking about the Beatitudes, the very beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and how we can live these out in our lives, have a better understanding of what Jesus is talking about, and those different re- rewards or promises or consolations that he's giving uh, with these different areas that we experience in our life. And, Father, the next one here is that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And that that being peacemakers, bringing peace to our world, and then being called children of God, it, it, as I was thinking about this, it not only seems like we receive this special title, children of God, if we are trying to be those, those people who bring peace to the world, but it, it kind of seems like it might even be implied that others will recognize us as children of God. We're witnesses. We bring peace to the world. We're a witness then that others can't help but acknowledge that we are working on behalf of our Father in heaven. Yeah, that makes me think of the letters of St. John. You know, how, how will they know you were Christian? And how can you say you're Christian? You, well, you got people, you got to love one another. You're going to love the brethren. And, it, you know, that's, that is a sign of that. This is, I think, of being a peacemaker. Of all of these, this one really has legs. You know, like, like you've got to do something. Right. This is, you know, yes, we need the grace of God, but to, it's like, can we take an ep, extra step forward to actually bring this, bring this about? You know, mercy is kind of a quality of the heart, and, and that, that battle for purity of heart, we, we really need Jesus' help. But to be a peacemaker... 
is sometimes as simple as taking that extra step out. And, you know, and the Father, God the Father, would look upon us and say, wow, I'm proud of you. You truly are my son or my daughter. You're doing my work. I'm just, you know, I'm just so happy to see you actually making peace. And as we all know, our world needs peace, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, just all you have to do is watch the news for a little bit every day. And you'll see how there's just so much out there. If we can be those peacemakers, um, you know, not only do we have that reward that Jesus says we'll be recognized as children of God, but, oh, it could just make the world a much better place. Right, Father? <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's, it's not easy, you know, and it's not cheap. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a, a pacif- pacifism, if you will. To, to be a peacemaker, this, this one, to me, just makes me think tough work. Well, and it also then sets up this next one where it seems that it follows if you're going to be a children of God, then if, if you're going to be a child of God, then he says, blessed are you who, or, or they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And so if we are out there trying to do good, trying to bring peace to the world, trying to be merciful, if we are trying to seek after righteousness, then we're going to be persecuted. But we also then have it where it comes back to the same as the very first beatitude, the promise there. Mm. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's like we've come full circle around here through these beatitudes. Yeah, it's it's worth ref- reflecting on to say that the kingdom is going to be full of people who suffered, um, because the poor also the poor suffer. That's in fact maybe one is explaining the other a little bit here as well. You know, to be poor in spirit, you're going to suffer persecution, and when you suffer per- persecution for the sake of justice, you'll become poor in spirit. Spirit. I think of the ego. I think I think our 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 ego will deflate or be slain or be crucified in having to step out and actually suffer uh, for the sake of justice, not for our own sake. There are, you know, you know, self-claimed martyr or the, you know, look, you know, Jesus told me that I had to suffer. So I'm here. I am suffering. I, I don't think that's it. I don't think that sounds right to me as far as living the Beatitudes. That persecution is, is, is going to be the most painful thing, uh, ever in your heart for the sake of that of that justice you know and uh boy i i have memories of of doing the work of trying to make peace and 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 such uh we were outside of an abortion mill in uh, washington dc and and as we were praying there march for life um a bird went to the bathroom on my head, you know, oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, and not only that, we've got people yelling at us and not only that, you know, um, I mean, and, and by the way, I, I, I love telling that story because that particular institution is now closed and it did close after we visited for years praying outside of there and we, but we suffered, um, that comes with the territory says our Lord. Right. Well, and then he he goes even further right after this, and he stops addressing it in the terms of they, and he makes it personal. Uh, No longer is it blessed are they, now it's blessed are you, 
when they insult you and persecute you, utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. And then he says, rejoice and be glad because your reward will be great in heaven. So he makes it very personal here at the very end of these Beatitudes. Uh, yeah, it's it actually, blessed are those, the word in Greek are those, but the but in Luke's gospel, he, he does exactly what you said as well, and even stronger, you know, makes it, right, makes it very, very uh, personal. Um, oh, no, no, this this one does say you as well. This one does say you, este in Greek. And when, um, I guess because, you know, when you get insulted, it is personal. Mm. No, that's a good point. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and they're going to lie about you. You know, uh, I think that's that's the kicker on this because it almost sounds like the previous one, right? But very now, similar. But but maybe the the, the, the change on this is that they're going to utter all kinds of evil against you, lying on account of me. Mm. But and, even when that happens, rejoice and be glad. Yeah, that's oh, <laughs> yep. And that that goes are back. Ki- to, <laughs> are you kidding me, Jesus? <laughs> I know. I know. Are you kidding me? Uh, Father, we've got to take a short little time out here. Uh, our, our spiritual director is Father Daniel Schuster, a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. We're talking about living out the Beatitudes. Which of those Beatitudes have you lived out in your own life? How have you seen the fruit of those Beatitudes come about in your life? How are you trying to live them out right now? How do you try and practice that meekness or that showing mercy? Have you experienced that, being persecuted for the sake of righteousness? You can call our studio line at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and we'll have more here on the Beatitudes in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Daniel Schuster. He's a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we're talking about the Beatitudes, and we've gone through each one individually, just kind of a short reflection, um, some short insights on each one. If, if you've missed any part of the earlier uh, segments of the show, I would very much encourage you to go and listen to the podcast uh, that'll be posted here uh, just within the next uh, short little bit on RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, Father Schuster has had some really beautiful insights, some uh, great reflections on these different Beatitudes and what it means for us, how we can understand these better and live them out in our lives. And uh, Father Schuster, let's go to the phones. We've got Mike who's listening in Orlando. Hi, Mike. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just was uh, I turned on your show and was listening, and I just couldn't get out of my mind. Just I guess recently, uh, last weekend with uh, the, the coming of Pentecost, and uh, just a, a, something that happened to me about uh, it's been a number of years ago, about fifteen years ago. But I had an experience of a, of a Pentecost type event where I feel like I received the Holy Spirit. And actually pray to the God after that event. I, I started praying to the Holy Spirit for strength, and I just think it's. I think honestly, um, I've tried to do a novena each year in preparation for Pentecost to to receive the Holy Spirit, 
not just a one-time thing, but just a kind of a constant knowledge that he's with me. And I think you, it, it's really kind of an underrated um, event. You know, I, I recognize Christmas and Easter as important as they are. But I, I think when Jesus left, when, when he went back to the Father, he promised, you know, to, to wait and he and uh, receive this power. And I think this power of the Holy Spirit is what actually helps us. It certainly helped me over the years to fulfill uh, the Beatitudes. Not that I don't struggle. I struggle a lot mm-hmm. uh, each and every day. But I'll tell you, after you feel like you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit as well, he, he really brings up what Jesus is talking about, I think. It's almost like you were sent here to say that. I mean, it is as though, because you're you're talking to a guy, a priest that loves the Holy Spirit and just uh, spent seven years of his life studying the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a, in, in a, uh, at a theological and spiritual level. I mean, this, you've, you've hit it on the head. It is the event, other than Christmas and Easter, that define who we are as Christians. And so to go in that direction a little bit, and I, I want to affirm what you're saying, that we, we don't want it to just be an event. You want to welcome the divine guest as a constant indwelling in the soul. And novenas and fasting and prayer and begging begging and uh, constantly coming back to the Holy Spirit is, I mean, we cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. It's not an add-on. And I just love that this has stayed with you since that time that you had that uh, experience. So, And then the fruits. The fruits are what help us to live the Beatitudes. We could, we could do a, a look at all the fruits of the Holy Spirit and see the overlay with the Beatitude. If you're living these the best as you can, it, the Holy Spirit is assisting you and is residing in your soul. It's a beautiful thing you've all said. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Mike, what a what a great comment. And, you know, it also makes me think, Father, as you were saying, that, um, you know, we can't do any of this without the Holy Spirit. We can't even have that communication to God without the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love where St. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, mm. you know, with groanings, with, uh, you know, making our prayers more humble, more penitent, for God the Father, uh, when we just don't even know how to begin to pray. Yeah, it's like it bubbles up within you, and the it's the Holy Spirit is a river of life. You know that the life giving water that that flows within you, and and I think in a strange way this this does really help us with these beatitudes because they're they're kind of fluid, you know, and they're and they're not ten commandments written on stone. There's no dust here. There's no, it's not rules. It's like the Holy Spirit took the commandments, of course it did, with Jesus and the Father, and and has turned it into um, uh, something that flowers, something different than than ten things written on stone, which I'm, in, in, in no way do we look badly upon the Ten Commandments or discard them. But there's something different going on here. And yeah, the whole, so the Holy Spirit must be involved. And Jesus said, I want to give you a new heart and a new spirit. I want to write the commandments not on stone, but within your heart. This is what we're looking at. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit as the, as the power of love that does what Jesus proclaimed. Yeah. Mike, thanks again for calling in. And uh, Father, we've got Mary who is listening in San Diego. Hi, Mary. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes here, but wanted to get you on before the show wraps up. Welcome to The Inner Life. 
Mary, are you there? Hi, yes. Hi, yes. Hi, good morning. So I was um, trying to say, you know, I my family started um, a prayer group, and we are all over the U.S. We even have uh, somebody in Australia, a sister, and we decided to start a prayer group. Initially, it was for my mom because uh, she's going through some, you know, pain in her life, and we thought, you know, as her kids, some of us, we, you know, start praying and talking, you know, about the Bible, that that might help us also connect and, you know, as one voice, raising our prayers to God. Uh, it developed into a Bible study, and, you know, now um, some of us feel very strongly about sharing some of the things that we see, some of the, you know, whether it's a blessing or just you know, some of the things that God is revealing to us, like, say, how to share our faith with Him, to, to praise Him when somebody's saying, oh, you do, you know, you do such uh, wonderful, like my brother is an excellent cook and a baker, and really, he just recently started doing that just a few years ago, and he gives praise to God. He says, you know, all this is from God. I don't, I don't uh, grow this stuff. God grows it. You know, all I do is put it together. So, I was wondering if that is also, you know, the attitude, giving gratitude and recognizing God in everything that we have and we do with others, with strangers even. Well, certainly the power of the Word that you've been sharing with your family is affecting your life. It's it's moving things and moving to gratitude. And, you know, as I, if I want to answer your your question, I think you've answered kind of, I think I think you've you looked at the beatitudes and answered your own question. Gratitude is a merciful way to deal with people, and it's a, it makes peace, and that gratitude or affirmation can um, can lift up the, the 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 poor. It can and it can also humble people. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful thing that you that you've shared. Um, that the word is affecting you. And you're noticing changes in your overall family. You know, yeah. I'd say anyone who's having a bad day today, sit down with the Beatitudes and let the Word do something to you. You know. Yeah. No, that was exactly what I thought, Father. Listening as Mary is, you know, sharing her experience that you know her her brother talking about. Well, you know, I have this because of God. You know, that thankfulness, that gratefulness. I mean, there's that humility there, that meekness that's lived out right there, sharing with others. There's bringing that peace, like you said, Father. So uh, great, great uh, call there, Mary. Thanks for sharing. And Father, we're down to just about our last minute here. Could I ask you, as we wrap up the show today, to offer everyone your final uh, uh, final blessing? Absolutely. And uh, and just please, people, uh, the blessing, there's this word, blessed, happiness. That's what we wish for you, to see the face of God and to be happy. And so let's say a prayer together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless our listeners and grant them the fullness of happiness that they may see his face, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much, Father, uh, for being our spiritual director today. Again, Father Daniel Schuster, priest in the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
And uh, boy, what a great show today. Again, if you missed any part of it, there were such good insights and reflections that Father Schuster provided there. So make sure you listen to the entire broadcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app where you can download that podcast. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus, looking ahead to the Feast of Corpus Christi. It's coming up on Sunday. And of course, encourage you to stay tuned for Mass. That's coming up next with Father Rocky here on Relevant Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a blessed day.